0: Lead. Mick Ditman is squeezing through on naturalism. Zamination's there with heroicity. And here comes the across. The Andacross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. The Andacross inch by inches, wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but naturalism wins at a half-length of the Andacross in a bumping finish. Cavalieri, I think, third in front of Zaminate. Spring Carnival Action returns to Rose Hill Gardens on Saturday the 24th of September when an outstanding field of three-year-olds will contest the Group 1 $1 million Golden Rose. Godolphin's In Secret became the first filly to win the Run to the Rose on September the 10th. Now she's attempting to become the first to win the Golden Rose since forensics in 2008. The Golden Rose was originally known as the Peter Pan Stakes, but underwent a name change in 2003 when the Noel Mayfield Smith Trained in Top Swing was successful, ridden by a youthful Hugh Bowman. Supporting the Golden Rose is the Group 2 Golden Pendant for the Phillies and mares, and the $250,000 Group 2 Shannon Stakes of 1,500 metres. A week later, Saturday, October the 1st, and Royal Randwick will host a fabulous Group One treble, the Tab Epsom, the Heineken Metropolitan, and the Darley Flight Stakes. The new season two-year-olds will appear for the first time in the Arrowfield Breeders' Plate and the Keeneland Gym Crack Stakes. So far, we've only scratched the surface as this fantastic spring carnival rolls on. Mark Newnham was in his early teens when he first started to go to the races with his father, John. A lifelong racing fan, John Newnham was the Sydney Morning Herald sports editor at the time and was a regular at the Sydney Saturday race meetings. From time to time, young Mark would watch a race from our broadcasting box and it was obvious to me way back then that he was a young man with an understanding of racehorses. On leaving school, he went to work for Randwick trainer Bob Thompson, who taught him the basics of stable life and horse management. He later became a travelling foreman for Bart Cummings and looked after some of the best horses the maestro ever trained – Mark's thirst for knowledge took him overseas, where he got to ride work for legendary trainers like Clive Britton and Kevin Prendergast. He was 23 when his apprenticeship with Graham Begg began. He finished that apprenticeship with Ron Quinton. Mark was 27 when he linked up with Gay Waterhouse, destined to become her number one rider at the Kembla and Newcastle Saturday meetings. 650 winners later, he quit the saddle to become assistant trainer to Gay, a role he filled for five years. When Tullock Lodge was sold to Asian interests, Mark decided to do what had been in the back of his mind all along, and that was to train in his own right. From humble beginnings, with just three horses at Warwick Farm, this talented horseman has established himself among Sydney's most respected trainers. He has 350 winners on his CV, including four Group 1s, nine Group 2s, 12 Group 3s and 13 listed races. Mark Newnham hasn't taken a backward step from the moment he resolved to forge a career in racing. He's a classic case of a young bloke who knew what he wanted to do, a young bloke who went out and made it happen. He's perfect podcast material, in fact, and he's online to talk to us now. Great to catch up, Mark.
1: Yeah, good morning, John.
0: Well, you're in your sixth season as a trainer, and I'll be surprised if you've got a single regret.
1: Oh, it's definitely not. It's uh, the best move I ever made.
0: For quite some time, you ran a dual operation with 45 horses in work at Randwick and another 25 at Warwick Farm. You were getting to the farm, I think, three times a week, but it was really starting to wear you down, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, John, look, it was essential um, when I started to, to build a good business and yeah, obviously, um, being at Randwick my whole working life, um, I wanted to um, train at Randwick, um, but when I started, there wasn't uh, there wasn't any stabling available, so I kept applying, and and once I got the business going, um, I was granted some boxes, um, and it grew from there. Um, but the travel between the two stables and the way I train. Mm. It just it, it wore me down, and it, it, the traffic and, and the travel, um, it just it, it just wasn't practical to keep that going. Um, mm. So, unfortunately, um, from a, unfortunately from a business point of view, um, I had to downsize the stable uh, at the start of this year. Um, well, it, it virtually started about this time last year. I, I had notified my owners that. Um, it was my intention just to train out of one location and it would mean a reduction in numbers and I slowly reduced those numbers until we closed the Warwick Farm Stable in January this year.
2: Mm.
0: You made quite a statement in the 2020 season with 95 winners, 45 in town, which puts you in seventh place in the state and fourth in the metropolitan area. Terrific figures. But despite yeah, a drop look, in numbers last season, Mark, and because of your relocation, uh, you still finished with fifty-eight winners. And this season, which is only seven weeks old, you're away to a flyer.
1: Yeah, look, last season was disappointing, but um, look, there was various reasons around it. You know, even apart from um, the downsizing of the operation, when uh, we had. The uh, COVID lockdowns and the and the different uh, local government areas, it meant that I couldn't travel between the two stables, and that really fast tracked the closing of the Warwick Farm stable. It mm. um, it meant that I couldn't go there at all for quite a period of time, and um, when I did it, it had it had nearly run itself into the ground because I had other staff members that lived outside the. The local area as well, mm. and it also meant they couldn't travel there. So I had to reduce the numbers there, and it, it just didn't become. It just wasn't practical to continue with it. I mean, I, we had uh, a good back end of the season, and we've started this season well. So I'm expecting that um, you know to continue on from here.
0: I notice you've reeled off three or four provincial doubles just lately, which is quite an achievement, Mark. When you look at the strength. Of our near city meetings, they're as strong as the midweek metropolitan fixtures.
1: Oh, they are! Look, when you, <clears throat> especially in in the um, two and three year old maidens, um, uh, at, at provincial level, they're all well bred, well trained horses. So you know, your, your, your top ten trainers in Sydney all have runners in all the provincial maidens, so that they they're, they're horses with good pedigrees, well trained, well ridden. Um, they're certainly hard to win. There's no, you know, the days of saying I'll take one to Kembler for an easy kill are long gone. Um, (laughs) The the volume of horses some of the biggest stables have um, and and the pedigrees of those horses mean you've got to go there having your horse well-tuned to win.
0: Yeah, Mark, I can still hear the old-time trainers, and I'm going back 50 years they would often be heard to say, I'll slip this to Gosford next Tuesday week. It's a certainty.
1: Yeah, and that look, that's that used to be commonplace even when I first started and, and when I was riding for gay. But um, Geez, you can you can turn up in a maiden now and, and, and have stakes stakes placed horses there, mm. um, in in set weight maidens, and certainly at this time of year when they may have Uh, bigger assignments down the track and they're looking just to um, knock off that maiden before they um, graduate to, uh, you know, a state's race. Yeah. Um, You know, they're all there.
0: We'll come back to your training career later, but I want to look at your story from the beginning because it's great reading. Now, Mark, it's not widely known that your maternal grandfather, Bert Condon, was a jockey who rode successfully in the 1920s and 30s. I've seen some lovely old photos you have of Bert riding winners, I think at Victoria Park. Was that right?
1: That's correct. Um, Only just over the back from where I live now in Kensington Mm. and uh, there's a big shopping centre there now. Um, But uh, he rode the uh, 1928 Victoria Park Cup winner Mm. Um, and Part of the photo, yeah, the finish is is the the cup, and uh, there's a smaller photo in the corner of the heat, which was run in the morning. And I can remember him telling me that that's yeah. that was quite commonplace that they would have heats early in the day, and the and the cup would be the the last race.
0: Mm. Did he train too?
1: Yeah, he trained for a while at Canterbury. Um, mm. and he trained for a doctor, and. Um, he then um, managed uh, – it was a Dr. Passmore and he managed a, a small studded orange for him where he stood a horse when I was very young called uh, Fire King. Hmm.
0: Well, but, thanks um, to grandfather, the genes were already in circulation. You just needed something to ignite them and that happened the very first day your dad took you to the races.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's – um. I could, I could uh, go with him on a Saturday and um, wander off and meet him every two or three races and and just go and look at the horses and watch them parade and go out the back and look at them look at them at uh, the tie ups and mm. uh, it it was it was the highlight of my week.
0: Mm. You started with Bob Thompson, as I mentioned, and then you became a travelling foreman for Bart. And you looked after some thoroughbred royalty in that era. Which horses?
1: Oh, look, I had a great time there. One of the first trips I did was with um, a magnificent horse called Campaign King, mm. and uh, I took him up to Brisbane when he won the um, Dooman Ten Thousand and the Stradbroke. His two starts up there. Mm. Um, he was a he was a great horse. He ended up. He won nearly half his starts. He, he won twenty six races, and he only he had fifty something starts. And he was a he was a stallion, but um, uh, unfortunately a failed one at that. He only he, had, he was infertile. He only ever fold mm. one horse, um, and, and and that was it. But uh, he was a he was a terrific horse. But um, you know, at the time we had Bozam Sky Chase. Uh, I took a really, really good filly to Melbourne called Tristanar, mm. and she won the Thousand Guineas and the Oaks, the Wakeful. Um, she was a she was a really, really talented filly who, um, unfortunately, didn't race again after after uh, that campaign. Mm.
0: You said campaign King sired only one foal. Did that foal get to the races?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. He won a few. He won a few races. His name was. Um, I think it was Campaign Prince, Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was the one and only.
0: Yeah, goodness me. Well, when you came back from that overseas stint where you rode work for people like Clive Britton and Kevin Prendergast, you weighed only 52 kilos, and that prompted you to look for an apprenticeship. You were 23 when you linked up with Graham Begg. You later transferred to Ron Quinton. What was the reaction of your mum and dad when they could see you were serious about becoming a jockey? Because I imagine your dad uh, would have earmarked a journalistic career for you.
1: Oh, look, he was – mum and dad were really – they were really good about what I wanted to do because, you know, at the time um, when I started at the stables, I was only 15 and I went went from work experience into the school holidays – um at bobby thompson's and bill Whitaker, who was uh, a good friend of the families and and mm. worked with dad at the herald um used to play golf quite regularly with bobby thompson mm. and uh, he organized me for me to go there um but i'd had it well in my head that i wasn't going back to school i'd cleared out my desk and um <laughs> and had I, I knew exactly what i was going to do um and and look they were very supportive mum and dad um, when I did come back from overseas, I, I was a bit heavier than the fifty-two. I think I was closer to about sixty-two. Oh, yeah. But yeah. um, on one of my on one of my trips um, interstate with um, Bart Cummings's horses, I took mm. some horses to Perth for their um, for their uh, summer racing carnival, mm. and um, I met my wife. Um, On on that trip, she worked. Mm. um, Donna worked for the West Australian Turf Club um, Mm. in the offices there. And um, let's say when she moved over to Sydney, um, my uh, eating and drinking habits improved greatly, and (laughs) uh, uh, my weight um, came back to a a level that meant uh, I, I could give riding a try because when. When I first started, the limit in, in Sydney was about 49 or 50 kilos, but it had sl- slowly risen to about 52 by the time mm. um, I was 23 and, and, and wanted to give riding a go. Um, so my lifestyle improved greatly, um, and, and I went on quite a strict diet and, and exercise regime, mm. and um, and away I went. I, was, I had mm. been riding work for Graham Begg um, as I returned, um, and, you know, I approached him about it and he was very supportive. Um, Ron Quinton had just returned from Ireland and uh, I'd actually met up with him while I was over there. Mm. Uh, him and Wayne Harris were riding there at the time mm. and uh, uh, Ronnie was riding for John Ox and and Wayne was with um, Kevin Prennegast. Mm. So um, I'd spent a bit of time with them there and, you um, so when Ron started training, not long after that, um, I was one of his first employees and his first apprentice.
0: Mm. Your first ride in a race, 2nd of October 1991, Star Bazaar for Bart Cummings. Unplaced, but a very great experience.
1: Yeah, and look, it was good of him to um, uh, give me that first ride. Um, it was a mile and a half race at Randwick, so it was um, – Probably not what your average apprentice would do these days, mm. but um, and 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 now um, they uh, they encourage you to start your your riding careers well away from the city. But um, oh, look, I'd been riding horses for quite a long time before before I actually had a race ride, mm. and uh, look, it was it was fantastic. It um, look my whole career, I, I I loved I loved riding right up until. The end when I didn't, and I made it, and that that really determined, um, you know, the end of my career. I just I fell out of love with doing it.
0: Yeah, exactly. First winner, good, better, best at Canterbury. About five months after that first race ride, Graham Begg trained this one, and the monkey was off your back.
1: Yeah, I'd had a few rides, but um, look, being that little bit heavier at the time, and um, and, and staying. Um, you know, being apprenticed at Ranwick was, um, you know, it took a while to get going. But uh, good, better, best—he was a—he was a big, strong horse by uh, Danza Torre,
2: mm.
1: and they were a very hot breed. Um, he, he did give me a bit of a, a a hard time, but we got the job done, and I beat um, the late great Ken Russell, mm. finished second in the race. Mm. You won a
0: race on a very good mare called Mamzelle Padrill, trained by your boss, Ron Quinton. It was the first of 11 wins for a lovely, lovely mare. You'd like three or four of them like her now.
1: Oh, wouldn't I ever. Mm. Um, uh, She was Ron's first yearling to train. Um, Ray Gall um, uh, uh, gave Ron her to train. He still trains for them now, um, and they quite often have a horse with me as well, which is... A nice association to have But um, I look She went to Canterbury On a Wednesday And you know It was a sit and steer job Really She won by Mm. three or four lengths Mm. And uh, We had uh, A couple of good Unraced fillies at the time A filly called Georgia Bell That I won on Shortly Afterwards And another one Called Windy Lindy So they're all working Mm. Amongst each other And uh, I think they went to Canterbury Fairly well In succession And all All got the job done First up
0: you were 27 when your association with gay began an association that would last 16 years in fact you'd become her number one writer at those Saturday Kembler and Newcastle meetings which she patronized very strongly you were very yeah. proud of three Kembler writing premierships one of your great achievements
1: yeah look it was some um, it came about I I hadn't ridden for Gay um, at all through my apprenticeship. She always had a couple of apprentices herself and um, it was, wasn't long out of my time and I had a few rides at Kembra on a Saturday and I ran three seconds to horses all trained by her um, mm-hmm. with different jockeys on them. So on the Monday, I, I uh, turned up at the track and I approached her about coming and Writing some work and um, and it and it went from there and it it was um, it was terrific. I wrote I think I wrote over three hundred winners just for her. So you know, virtually half my winners were were oh, for Gay. Must have been and yeah. and um, it it was a terrific um, uh, association in the fact that um, you know being. Um, young, married, young family, um, mortgage. It meant that you know, going to Kemble or Newcastle on a, on a Saturday and Hawkesbury and Gosford on a Thursday, that there was a guaranteed income um, because I was riding, you know, good horses, um, mm-hmm. and it was it was a it was virtually a guaranteed wage. Um, up until probably early two thousands, when they started running maiden races in town on a Wednesday, Mm. whereas they used to be always um, sort of no-metro win races where they could graduate after winning a maiden Mm. um, at Kembla. Uh, So that really reduced um, my rides and and winners um, out of the stable, whereas usually on a a Saturday meeting, you know, Gay would have six or eight runners at, you know, every, every one of those meetings because, you know, there'd be horses and, and good horses, you know, you know, starting their careers and, and getting yeah. a win before they graduated to town.
0: Mm, well, one of those good horses was beyond doubt the best horse you ever rode at those Saturday Provincials. His name was Bentley Biscuit. Tell me about his 1,200-metre maiden win in 2005. Margin was eight lengths and he broke the course record.
1: Yeah, you don't often see a a, a maiden horse um, uh, running a course record. Uh, their first start, well, especially at a track that's, you know, they race that, you know, so often as Kembler and, and, you know, there's been plenty of good horses um, race at Kembler over the years. Um, he'd shown good ability right from the start. I'd ridden him a lot of work and, and his trials and it wasn't. It wasn't until I would say after his first or second trial, Gay still owned him herself up until then. She couldn't sell him, mm. and <laughs> um, anyway, after he trialled well, she managed to sell seventy-five percent of him um, to um, an Englishman named George Moratov, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, George. Mm.
1: And uh, anyway, he went to Kimberley. He started about a dollar ten. Um, it was. Pretty much a sit and steer job. I can remember he jumped to the front, led on the fence. I had a horse outside me, ridden by um, Shane Moses, mm-hmm. and um, he'd he and he and quite a few of the other jockeys had sort of, you know, jaded me up a bit before the before the start, and you know how they were going to bring him undone and different things. And I turned to Shane at about the four hundred and said, "See you later." And uh, he he put a he put a huge margin on them.
2: Mm.
0: You know, a couple of years before Bentley Biscuit won his maiden in devastating style, there was another mare that won a maiden on the same track over a slightly longer distance, 1,300 metres by 10 lengths, and her name was Private Steer. It'd be a good trivia question, Mark, you know, to name the two Kembla maiden winners in the early 2000s who went on to Group One glory.
1: Yeah, well actually if you, when you when you go to Kembla in their winners room, they've got a um, they've got a wall there with the um, pictures of horses that have won at Kembla mm. and then gone on to win group 1 races. And there's there's quite a few of them there. Mm. Um, there's quite a few of them there that I've won on as well, but I just didn't manage to ride them when they won their group 1s.
0: There was a massive upheaval in your life in 2016. You'd been assistant trainer to Gay for about five years and enjoying every minute of it, but it all changed when Tullock Lodge was sold to Asian interest and Adrian Bott was brought into the operation. Now, Gay told you there was still a role for you to play, but you politely declined.
1: Yeah, that's right, John. And look, uh, it after... Um, after EI, um, I really um, cut back on my riding and 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 lacked a bit of motivation. Really, I probably rode for an extra couple of years that I, I wasn't really um, as committed as I should have been. Um, and I started doing a bit more for Gay. I was riding work every day and um, and, and going to sales and and having a bit more to do with the stable. And then when I did give it away, um, I became her assistant and that was – we had a, a great period through that time where um, I think we won three Golden Slippers and a Melbourne Cup. So it was mm. – we had a team of really good horses, you know, more joyous, Piero, Fiorente, um, Vancouver. So, look, it was – life was terrific. I worked hard, but um, it, it, was, it was very – Rewarding. Um, I enjoyed every minute of it. And then um, Donna and I went down. She invited us down to the farm one Sunday Mm. and about six months before it all happened. And um, she pulled me aside and said that she was going to try and sell the business. Mm. Anyway, nothing really became of that. I know a couple of different people looked at it um, and then. Um, it, it all sort of just dwindled away mm. until one afternoon she called me into the office and told me that um, uh, Adrian and his father had found a buyer for the business. And as as only Gay can do, she makes it sound like terrific news. Mm. Um, uh, she said, well, she said, I've got some terrific news. Adrian and, and his father have found a buyer for the business But with that, Adrian becomes Mm. co-trainer. And, you know, obviously I said, well, what what becomes of me? And, Mm. um, you know, obviously she said – she had said, look, you know, we'd like you to stay. Um, Anyway, I I did think about it for about two days. Mm. um, And then by the Saturday at at the races, I I said to her that I would finish up and um, and go and do my own thing. And – that's what happened and um, apart from probably the first six months where you think you've done the silliest thing in your life. Um, <laughs> because, well, the first six months you don't have any horses racing and, and, no. you, and, you, and you're, you're looking at an empty barn. and
0: um, Oh, it about, must have been you know, intimidating, Mark. You, you got it. your licence in a hurry, you rented a few boxes at Warwick Farm and you started off with three horses whose futures looked very limited on paper.
1: Absolutely, and um, it—you uh, only see money going out the door, not coming in. So um, mm. I was lucky. I was lucky at the time; um, our son had nearly finished school. Um, Donna was still working full time in another industry, and it—it um, it, it provided us an income. Mm. Um, and look, and then you know, once once things got got rolling a bit and we had a couple of winners um you know things things started to even out and um, look after the first 12 months it's been terrific
0: mark we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll come back with you after this racing new south wales didn't forget the tab highways and the midways in the latest round of prize money increases The weekly editions of both races will go from $100,000 to $120,000, as from September the first. The TAB highways, introduced in 2015, have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the midways, introduced as recently as July 2021, and now a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first Midway was won by our Bellagio Miss, trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a prime mover in the creation of the concept. The Tab Highways have created tremendous interest among country owners who were constantly on the lookout for a potential highway horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for when they feel they have a progressive horse in the stable and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. Country owners and trainers had cause for a double celebration when they learned prize money for the Kosciuszko would leap from $1.3 million to $2 million. The Highways and the Midways and the $2 million Kosciuszko are a major part of the new look at New South Wales Racing. My special guest is Mark Newnham. Well, Mark, we've got a fair bit to get through, so I'm going to quicken the speed here. Your first win as a trainer came at Wyong in September 2016. You won a maiden with a horse called Boaz, ridden by the immensely talented Blake Shin.
1: Yeah, and it was a bit of a relief. I think only... Uh my second or third runner was ended up a nice horse called Lanciato and, and mm. um, he, he got beaten ahead at um, Rose Hill on a Saturday. but it, um, you know a month or two after that, um, Boaz saluted at Wyong Forest, um, mm. courtesy of a probably a 12 out of 10 ride from Blake
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and we got to know Blake pretty well when he first moved up here. Um, from Melbourne and came to ride from Gay, so um, it was it was very pleasing that um, he he was able to ride him that day and um, it, it got things rolling.
0: You'll never forget Anisha, who was your first city winner with your old mate Josh Parr on board Warwick Farm.
1: Yeah, look, she was uh, she was an interesting case. She was one of the first horses in the stable. Um, uh, the Tao family who who run um, GT Park, a uh, spelling place I use now, um, they moved her to me. She'd been uh, rejected from another stable, and um, when I rode her the first couple of days, I could see why. She was um, pretty <laughs> difficult to get along with. Um, but uh, at the time, only having a few horses and plenty of time, we um, were able to, just sort of turn around and and, um, change her racing pattern. She was a a mare that used to um, use a lot of nervous energy and and race quite fiercely, but um, we got her to settle and and run on and, um, you know, she won at Warwick Farm and she – I think she won three races at Warwick Farm. She ended up being a good mare for us and it started Mm. an association with Josh that, um, you know, is still alive and well today.
0: Another one of your early winners was a good dolphin cast-off by the name of Careless, who'd been stood down, I think, for barrier offences. Somehow you yeah. got him to win a race at Randwick.
1: Yes. Um, well, at the time I had a few young horses and uh, there was a, a tried horse sale coming up in June um, 2016 there and I thought, well, I need to be able to buy a horse that we can you know, take to the races and, and race on a Saturday and... I had I had gone over to Ramwick. He was already in the sale and he was having um, his last start at Ramwick for John O'Shea mm. and he was late scratching at the barrier um, and he had a barrier ban on him uh, when I bought him mm. uh, and I, between myself and uh, a girl who still works for me and was my first employer Tess Richardson mm. uh, first, first personal employed well we we spent plenty of time on him, working with him at the barriers, and oh, look, he, he won about one hundred and twenty thousand in prize money for us. Mm. And um, uh, James Doyle, the Englishman, rode him uh, yeah. when he won at, when he won at Ramwick, mm. and um, we've still got Careless. He's our stable pony now, mm. and um, he's he's very good at his job. He's um, he, he helps escort. Um, some of the fractious ones on and off the track and guides the babies around. So um, he's been a terrific asset from the time we bought him.
0: That's wonderful news. You mentioned Lanciato already, Mark. He'd won a couple of ordinary ones in New Zealand before you got him. You won another five, four Sydney Metro races, including the Carrington Stakes and the Newcastle Newmarket. He loved to come off a hot speed, didn't he?
1: yeah and look, he was um uh, he came about through um, a, a Hong Kong client, um, Derek Tam. Um, he I'd met Derek in Hong Kong, um, and I've got quite a few clients. just from my days when i I, I rode in in Macau. Mm. Um, and um, Derek rang me and had bought out his partners. The horse was supposed to go to to Hong Kong to race. Um, he had a few minor issues and failed the vet, so he he rang me and asked me if if I wanted to take him. Mm. And um, his first preparation, he was plagued by some wet tracks, um, and then um, once we had him back and. Get- and got him on dry ground and Mm. and rode him stone cold, um, he turned out to be a very, very good horse for us. Oh, didn't he? He was a lovely horse.
0: You won a group three with Burning Passion. It was the Hallmark Stakes with Josh Parr. Had a look at the replay again just the other day, and on the turn, he looked gone. He he actually dropped off a length or so coming around the corner.
1: Yeah, look, he was a really good, tough old horse that... um, I inherited um, when James Cummings took the Godolphin job mm. um, he was originally um, uh, owned by Guri Stud um, and then had been sold on to um, Scott Darby and Darby Racing mm. and so um, uh, they transferred him to me um, when, when James took the Godolphin job and we managed to win a group 3 race with him, he was a really good tough old horse and he's now over at Centennial Park with Steve Gladstone mm. and he um, he, uh, I'm pretty sure he appeared at the last uh, Easter show.
0: You had a horse called Diamond Tathagata, who was actually your first group winner. He won only one race, but by gee, it was the right race, the Group 2 Skyline Stakes. And um, a huge thrill for you at that very early stage. It was run at Randwick, and you got up to beat a good dolphin horse called Coruscate. And like Burning Passion... Taffagata looked to be in trouble turning for home.
1: Yeah, he look. It was his second start in a race. Uh, his first start, he ran second to She Will Rain in a in an English uh, in a half million dollar English race at Randwick. Um, mm. So we knew he was he was pretty capable. Um, it was pouring rain, but uh, look to have a Group Two winner and a slipper runner. My oh. first year was um, yeah was a hell of a thrill. Um, he was he was owned by a uh, Hong Kong family who um, uh, I'd ridden for in Macau, and um, that, that was that. He was actually the first yearling I got to train. Um, their trainer Patrick Lee had um, asked me to come down to the Melbourne Sale with him, even before I had a license, and uh, he bought him for me. And um, it's an association that still continues today. Um, they've all got the. Uh, the diamond uh, at the front of their name, mm. and um, we've had we've had plenty of luck. He
0: ran in the slipper that year, but a very heavy track brought him undone. Now the story of your first Group One winner is fairy tale stuff. A filly called Maid of Heaven for Arrowfield. It was her first serious prep. She went from being unplaced in a two-year-old maiden to the Spring Champion Stakes. In ten weeks, in between, she won a three-year-old maiden, fifth in the T Rose. Not much luck. Sixth in the Flight Stakes. Not much luck. But you made the call to press on. I'll bet you didn't take your eyes off her feed bin.
1: No, not at all. And when she'd been when she'd been unlucky in the in the flight uh, in the flight stakes, um, had a quick meeting with um, John Massara and and John Freyer. Straight after the race, and John Freya said to me, "Have you given any consideration to running again next week in the in the Spring Champion Stakes?" And um, I said, "Well, look, let's just see how she does." Um, James McDonald got off of that day and was pretty bullish about how well um, she had run, and mm. and he thought that she would have been well in the finish if if he had got clear running, she drew barrier one and just never really got any momentum. Mm. So um, she did well in the next couple of days and I I waited until acceptance morning. Um, James McDonald was already committed to a horse of David Payne's and um, this is in the days before we had um, uh, all the – all the extra races we have on the Sydney spring calendar now. So mm-hmm. all our jockeys used to just exit for Melbourne after um, Epsom weekend. And uh, so we were left without a jockey. Um, most of the others were were tied up or interstate. So I had a quick conversation with uh, John Massara um, after acceptances, went through who was available. He mentioned a couple of jockeys to me, um, Mm. and um i'm not sure what got into my head but i just said no uh, oh, did <laughs> which yeah <laughs> um which um i think um now was probably a little cheeky but anyway um he said who do you want to put on and i said i want to put rachel king on i said mm. i've had very good luck with rachel she'd been riding lanciato at the time and um i'd known rachel since she was apprenticed um with gay mm. And he said, oh, well, it's your call. Um, if, if you want her on, you put her on. So um, she gave her a, a lovely ride midfield, peeled to the outside and and um, got up in the last two bounds.
0: Right, and such an important one for Rachel. It was her first group one, as it was for you, and it was a, an unforgettable day.
1: Oh, look, it, it was, and... John had promised me a horse um, when I he rang me um, when I started training and and he said look I'll I'll have a horse for you he said my yearlings are already allocated um, this year but he said I'll I'll have one for you next year and sure enough to his word he rang me six or eight months later and said look I'm I've, I've keeping a, um, a smart missile filly mm. for you and um, And away it went from
0: there. Mm. You loved Shadow Hero, who was by Piero, a horse you rode work a lot for the Waterhouse Stable. I think you rode him in a couple of barrier trials too. You had Shadow Hero for 11 runs, of which he won four, including two group ones. The first was the Spring Champion Stakes and he beat a very good horse called Castelvecchio.
1: Yeah, look, he was a, a wonderful horse, and um, I'm I'm a trainer that um, is is generally a seller when it comes to being made offers for Hong Kong, um, and he was one that I, I certainly didn't want to go. But um, look, for the time we had him, um, I loved him from the start. It was mm. the first uh, David David Loy and um, Carl. Chen, who who owned him under their uh, Sweetbriar Equine banner, um, yeah. it was the first yearling sale that um, David had contacted me uh, about. He was recommended through another um, uh, Hong Kong client to to um, uh, meet up with me, and um, we bought uh, two horses from that sale: um, Shadow Hero and another very good horse um called Shadow Crush mm. and um he was a it was a bit of a lad as a colt um but as soon as we gelded him um he had a, a definite um a adjustment in his attitude and mm. look he he gave the feel of a really nice horse from from the time we got going with him um he ran fourth in the JJ Atkins after winning a listed race at his second start mm. And from that moment, I had the Spring Champion Stakes in mind for him, and his prep towards that went um, went faultlessly. Um, he was he was a horse that great attitude, easy to easy to do anything with. He was a lovely horse to ride, nice relaxed horse. Um, he was probably a little unlucky in that. Um, the two derbies he ran in, um, both heavy tracks, and he mm. just didn't handle wet ground at all. No. His second
0: group one was the Randwick Guinness, and uh, then off he went to Hong Kong. Uh, you had mixed feelings about that, obviously. Now, he didn't win in five starts over there, and you were delighted when he came back to your stable. But that elation didn't last long, Mark. He bled in a barrier trial. And connections had to pull the pin.
1: Yeah, look, he was, um, uh, look, he just, for whatever reason, he didn't adapt to life over there. And, and when he returned, um, we were quite confident he was going well, but um, obviously under pressure, um, he, he he started having a bleeding issue. Yeah. And we retired him straight away, Um uh, and he's um, Josh Parr has him now, so um, um, Josh was very keen to to get him and take him up to his Central Coast property, and um, and that's where he resides now. There's
0: another good horse who's found a lovely home in later life post-racing. Your fourth Group One winner was the lovely filly Nikita Jane, by So You Think. She raced only eight times for three wins, including the Light Fingers and the Group One Surround Stakes. Josh rode her in all three wins. She also ran third in a Roundwick Guineas, fourth in a Vinery, and third in a Flight Stakes. She met a very sad end, Mark, after just eight race starts.
1: Yeah, and look, um, it's a pity because she was very, very talented. Um, She was rejected by both sales companies. Um, She was a a magnificently bodied filly, but... um, didn't have the straightest legs, so I suppose she was always going to have a limited um, racing career um, just due to her confirmation. But, uh, look, at a a third start in a race, she was beaten ahead and ahead in the same flight stakes that um, Maid of Heaven ran in and Mm. and was a bit unlucky as well. It was interesting, I hadn't – because it – all happened so quickly i hadn't nominated her for the flight stakes because um they were quite early nominations and i think she may have had one barrier trial at the time um mm. so i didn't I didn't expect her to be running in a flight stakes a group one race you know five or six weeks later mm. and she won a maiden at warwick farm quite convincingly you know a week and a half before the flight stakes and as it turned out she beat colding and rainier So it was a hell of a maiden. um, (laughs) But um, at the time, we didn't know that. And I spoke to Mark Towell, who owned her, and um, discussed the possibility of running in the flight stakes. The only hiccup was that um, by the Monday, we had to pay the uh, $50,000, no, sorry, $25,000 late entry fee. Mm. And. He, he he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I'll ask for the course proper to work her on at Warwick Farm on the Monday, mm. and if I think she works well enough, um, we'll pay the late entry." And he said, "Okay." He said, "It's it's your call." Well, I sent him a text about six o'clock in the morning saying, "We're running."
0: <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Did you? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think she she got fifty thousand dollars. Uh, in prize money but a group a valuable group one placing oh, yes, and was yeah. probably a little unlucky um not to win mm. and then she came back and won the light fingers and the surround uh, and was narrowly beaten in the um uh in the um Randwick guineas yeah but her next preparation she came back in the spring <clears throat> josh came to galloper uh on the monday before she was to resume and um He turned around, uh, and she worked fantastically well. But I could just see when he pulled up and turned around to trot back, she just Mm. bobbed her head a couple of times. And um, when he returned through the tunnel there at Warwick Farm, he... Josh can never hide his emotions. He's either got a huge smile on his face, like (laughs) Luna Park. Yeah, he does. But he he wears uh, his heart
0: on his sleeve, Josh. Yeah, he he? he
1: just had he had the the most glum and uh, sad look on his face you could imagine. um, And and she was. She was properly lame already, and um, she'd fractured a sesamoid and and was never to race again.
0: No, it was a very sad ending for a lovely filly, Nikita Jane. Now, Mark, time is really rocketing, so I'm going to ask you to very quickly assess for me the following horses. Graceful Glamour, that beautiful, on-pace grey mare who was so good to watch.
1: Beautiful mare, um, could only be ridden one way in front, she hated horses around her, um gave us a hell of a thrill in the Victorian Oaks, mm. but um she she um, beautiful to look at, beautiful to deal with, and uh, a high class mare, you know group two winner, um, she'll she'll do well at Stud.
0: Who won almost well, about nine hundred and three thousand for her derby racing syndicate? Big Parade, who was a cult when you first got him and he was an ornery son of a gun. But once he uh, underwent that little surgical procedure, the real horse emerged. Can't he gallop? What about the day at yeah. Kembler in that race when he went, he smashed the course record and beat Animate?
1: Yeah, and look, he's a really talented horse. Um, unfortunately, he was just beaten ahead this year in the in the Galaxy. Mm. Um but, look, there's still plenty of racing ahead of him. He's, he's only had uh, about 16 runs. He's won half of them, um, and he's just got unbelievable speed. So um, no, we've still got a bit left in the tank there.
0: You had a North Queensland horse there for a while called Marway. I think you had him for a couple of preparations, and you did very well with him. From a dozen starts for you, he won four, three in the city. You slipped him off to Wagga, where he won the time-honoured town plate. That was a $200,000 race. Couldn't he get on his way in a race?
1: Yeah, he could get on his way in track work too. He <laughs> was a bit <laughs> of a handful. But um, uh, the, the biggest thrill about him was um, the, the two days, um, the two families that owned him came down from Rockhampton He won both times. He he won a race at uh, Ramwick on um, uh, Anzac Day and Mm. they came down for the races and um, they made it all the way to Wagga. Um, Mm. They caught a plane to Canberra and hired a car and and so they were there to see him win the Wagga Town Plate. He he won by four or five lengths. He he, he absolutely blitzed them.
0: What a thrill. Harmony Rose has done a nice job for Derby Racing, winning four races, well over four hundred thousand. Some of that money came from placings in the Vinery and the Randwick Guineas. Now she hasn't raced since winning the Albury Gull Cup earlier this year. Where
1: is she? She's uh, been sold to stud. Yulong um, bought her, mm. and um, she had a little issue after Albury. But I got a I got a big thrill out of her winning the Albury Cup um, for Tyler Schiller. Um, mm. He he. Did his apprenticeship down that way and it was his first um, stakes winner. So able to go back to his, his local area and, and win the cup and uh, and have his first stakes win on one of ours was, um, I'll give it a hell of a cheer.
0: You placed in uh, the Australian Oaks with bargain. Splintex has been good for the stable. He's won three stakes races, including the famous Bobby Lewis Quality at Flemington. But, Mark, what a pity every owner or every ownership group can't get hold of a horse like Quacker Jack. Eight wins, five placings, 961,000, a Liverpool Cup, a Villiers, a Goulburn Cup and his best run of all when he ran second in the gong. What a run that was.
1: Yeah, he he drew wide that day and he was just three deep without cover and you don't expect them to be anywhere near the finish at the end of that, but that was his racing style. He was the toughest horse, um, I think I've ever I've ever had anything to do with. Um, mm. You know, he won the Villiers by a short half head after getting headed. Mm. He used to make hard work of every race he ran in, um, but. He was the first yearling I got to buy um, uh, at Magic Millions. So it was, you know, eight or nine months after I got – probably about eight months after I got a licence. And um, Mm. Frank Midiger, who had owned quite a few horses and a couple of decent horses um, and had been out of it for a couple of years, rang me and said, let's go and buy a horse. And um, we came up with Quacker Jack. And, um, oh, look, he was was fantastic and, you know um, (laughs) – a horse with just immense heart. Um, mm. not not endowed with, you know, huge ability. No. But um just tough.
0: You've got a spring in your step at the moment about a horse called Walinga Rufio, who's won three from four. He resumed at Warwick Farm earlier in the week. He won easily over sixteen hundred meters. He looks a serious horse, Mark.
1: Yeah, look, he he's doing things that you shouldn't be able to do, and and he does it without really knowing, you know,
2: mm.
1: not really having a great grasp of what he's supposed to do. Um, he can run time without a lot of effort and without the need to really concentrate on, on his action or anything that he's doing. Um, he's went on Wednesday first up at a mile, um, he, he galloped them into the ground, and that's his asset, is that he can just mm. maintain a strong gallop for a long period of time. So mm. I can't wait till I can get him up to 2,000 metres. I think he's going to be a, a really serious horse.
0: you like a three-year-old filly called Spicy Hotspot, who won impressively at Canterbury a couple of months ago. She's had two trials back from a spell. She must be getting close to a race, is she?
1: Yeah, she'll either go to uh, the Heritage Stakes at Rose Hill on Saturday week, um, the 24th, or if I think she needs a little bit longer, she'll go to the the holiday meeting at um, uh, Warwick Farm on the 3rd of October.
0: You've got a lot of time for a four-year-old called Dragonstone, who's won four races, three in town. You took him to Melbourne not long ago. He ran a cracking second to a very talented mare called Passive Aggressive. Where's Dragonstone?
1: Dragonstone will probably resume at Caulfield on Caulfield Cup Day. There's a, a group 2,000 metre race there. Um, he, he won at listed level during the year, actually the week after he ran in Melbourne, and he's the most unimpressive looking horse. I can say that with the greatest admiration because we do love him, but he's a he's a – only a pony. He's mm. about fifteen one, pretty plain to look at, uh, about 440 kilos, so not mm. a lot of him.
2: Yeah.
1: But um, he's got a hell of a finish. He, he gave them all a start in the, um, the Bob Charlie, what used to be the June stakes there in mm. the middle of the year, and he, he blew them away the last 200 after backing up running in Melbourne the week before. So he's a highly talented horse.
2: Mm.
0: Expat has been a good mare for the stable. She's won eight races from 16 starts. Great record. She's won a of the Turf, a Millie Fox. She was right behind the place getters in the Coolmore Classic. She's had one run back from a spell uh, in the Mona Lisa at Wyong, unplaced but not far away. Can she win again?
1: Yeah, she'll go to the Golden Pendant at Rose Hill on the 24th, so oh. her favourite track and distance. Um, uh, Tom Sherry, who uh, was apprentice to me, he's finished his time now but um, done extraordinarily well. He gets on very well with her. Um, she's, in, she's in good order, uh, good tough mare, just gets out and gets the job done.
0: Mm. And finally, Mark, a quick assessment of two brilliant young riders you have in the operation – Tyler Schiller and Tom Sherry. Tyler was our champion apprentice last season. Tom Sherry won the premiership the year before. And not long ago, Robbie Dolan, another one of your boys, won two apprentices premierships on the trot.
1: Yeah, we've had the last four. So, um, Mm. um, look, uh, Robbie is dividing his time at the moment between uh, singing and writing. He's very good at both. He's Mm -hmm. very good at both. Um, it's hard to have one talent, let alone two. Mm. Um, Tom, I think, will develop into, you know, a top five rider in Sydney in the next few years. Um, he's a, just a natural horseman. He's uh, There's not a horse in my yard that he couldn't ride, mm. um, and that's from the day he started. He's got lovely hands, good balance. And Tyler, he's the most unassuming, unflappable Young fellow you could ever meet. Um, I don't think it would matter if you put him on in a group one race or a class one race. He would treat it the same. Mm. Um, and that's a that's a wonderful attitude to to be able to have. Um, he turns up and rides the same race regardless of 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 the prize money or the grade of race. He's got a really good ability to ride a horse from from back in the field. He reads the play well in front of him.
0: Mm. Well, Mark Newham, it must be hugely satisfying to have set a goal so early in life and to have realised your dream through dedication, perseverance and a hell of a lot of hard work. It's been an absolute delight to have you on the podcast.
1: Uh, thank you, John. But look, I've, I've never regretted one minute leaving home and starting work at, at 15 at Ramwick Um it's been my life. I, I love what I do. And, I, you know, I feel privileged that it's been able to be as good to me as it has. And um, hopefully for many years to come.
0: Thanks for your time on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Spring Carnival Action returns to Rosehill Gardens on Saturday, the 24th of September when an outstanding field of three-year-olds will contest the Group 1 $1 million Golden Rose. Godolphin's In Secret became the first filly to win the Run to the Rose on September the 10th. Now she's attempting to become the first to win the Golden Rose since Forensics in 2008. The Golden Rose was originally known as the Peter Pan Stakes but underwent a name change in 2003 when the Noel Mayfield-Smith-trained-in-top-swing was successful, ridden by a youthful Hugh Bowman. Supporting the Golden Rose is the Group 2 Golden Pendant for the Phillies and mares and the $250,000 Group 2 Shannon Stakes of 1,500 metres. A week later, Saturday October the 1st and Royal Randwick will host a fabulous Group One treble, the Tab Epsom, the Heineken Metropolitan and the Darley Flight Stakes. The new season two-year-olds will appear for the first time in the Arrowfield Breeders' Plate and the Keenland Jim Crack Stakes. So far, we've only scratched the
2: surface as this fantastic spring carnival rolls on.